Turn in your Bibles with me to Ephesians chapter 6, uh, verse 4, and we're going to be reading Ephesians 6, 4, and Colossians 3, 21. Ephesians 6, 4, Colossians 3, 21, and, and of course a few others, uh, but those are the main scriptures that we're going to start with here. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4. I'm going to read this in a Amplified translation. If you have, I don't know if you have Amplified, but if you have Amplified, I'm going to read it in the Amplified. Fathers, fathers, oh fathers, do not irritate and provoke your children to anger. Do not exasperate them to resentment, but rear them tenderly in the training and discipline and the counsel and admonition of the Lord. Fathers, do not irritate and provoke your children to anger. Do not exasperate them to resentment, but rear them tenderly in the training and discipline and counsel and admonition of the Lord. And I'm going to read Amplified of uh, Colossians 3.21. Fathers, do not provoke or irritate or fret your children. Do not be hard on them or harass them, lest they become discouraged and sullen and morose and feel inferior and frustrated. Do not break their spirit. Do not break their spirit. And then um, 1 Corinthians 4.14, for though you have many, uh, excuse me, 10,000 instructors in Christ, you have not many fathers. We're going to, uh, of course, talk about fatherhood this morning for just a few minutes uh, and being a father and the role of a father. And uh, though you may not have be fathered natural children, uh, really, you have the ability to father spiritual children. And that doesn't mean that people came through you in order to know Christ. Uh, it means, though you could have 10,000 instructors in the Word of God, there aren't too many fathers out there. There aren't too many fathers. And a father treats you differently than just an instructor or just a teacher. And a father ought to treat his children differently. So I love the Amplified translation. It says, let them rear them tenderly in the training and the discipline and the counsel and in the admonition of the Lord. So it says, don't irritate. I have irritated my children before. <laughs> I don't know how much, you know, but... Sometimes you become aware of it. Do not irritate and provoke your children to anger. Don't exasperate them to resentment. Well, the Word of God's not going to tell you not to do something if you wouldn't have a tendency to do it when you're yielded to the flesh instead of the Spirit. In other words, well, watch out for this. I love over in um, Philippians chapter 3, or excuse me, chapter 2, where... Uh, Paul, speaking of Timothy, said, I have no man like-minded 
who will naturally care for your estate. All men seek their own, not the things which are Jesus Christ's. Well, that means, I don't want to embarrass anybody. I was going to have everybody raise your hand. I'll raise my hand for you. So that means that we could all raise our hands and we could say, boy, if I don't watch it, I would have a tendency to not the thing, seek, the, seek the things which are Jesus Christ. I would have a tendency just to seek my own stuff. Well, that's a human condition. So Paul said, actually before that, over in Philippians chapter 2, he said, as a father with a son or a son with a father, he has served me in the gospel. So there's something about the relationship between a father and a child, a son or a daughter. There's really something significant about that relationship. Now I want to talk, I want to go to Ephesians chapter 1 and Ephesians chapter 3 for just a second. And uh, we thank the Lord for uh, utterance and getting everything out. He says, behold, I do a quick work. Lord, we're to believe me for a quick work. Ephesians chapter 1, if you don't pray these prayers, I would suggest daily, but at least on a regular basis, you're missing God. Because faith comes from revelation knowledge. And you need, every believer needs a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of God operating in their life. Every believer. Not just, if, you know, for, for the part of your life where you serve in things of the ministry. But every part of your life, if you've got a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of God, well, then everything takes its proper place and proper perspective. You need wisdom for the job. You need wisdom for decisions. You know, if you're not getting ready to make a significant decision, the opportunity for a significant decision is getting ready to come to you. Because there's a lot of decisions in life. One thing I love about the Lord is, I am the Lord, I change not. But as long as you live down here, this is the earth, it does change. You know, the things of mankind change. If you didn't ever notice, uh, you're probably just too young to notice. Maybe like Emma and Sarah or something like that. But otherwise, if you didn't ever notice, well, they notice because they're still growing. But uh, once you get to full adulthood, well, then things start to change in your body. Your age changes. <laughs> And then sometimes other things change with your age. I'm just picking up on last week's message. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. <laughs> so let's read this prayer real quick. Uh, verse 16 or 17. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory would give to you. So he's saying that the father of glory would give you. No, notice he's not just saying that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, he did say that, but who is the father of glory? All right, well, let's go for the sake of time. I'm not going to read that whole prayer. Uh, chapter three, 
for the, verse 14, for this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So he's not just saying, for this cause, one translation says, when I think of all the goodness and greatness and power of God, I fall on my knees before him, right? He's not just saying, because this is God, he said, I fall on my knees before the Father. Carpenter translation says, the Father from whom all fatherhood takes its title and derives its name. Where did fatherhood even get started? It didn't start with Adam and Eve having Cain and Abel. It started with God the Father. He is the Father that all fatherhood is to be modeled after, around, and get its idea about what you should do. If you want to know how to be a good earthly father, look at your heavenly father. God is the best father. And even here, our Father, back in Ephesians 6, 4, says, Rear your children tenderly in the training and discipline and counsel and admonition of the Lord. Well, no matter how hard you try, you know, you're going to have a special love for your own children. You know, my children have different access to me than other people do. I might say, I, I don't want to be disturbed. But sometimes the children still come and disturb, especially my youngest. <laughs> Daddy's praying and studying. Boom, I hear the door. <laughs> Here comes Joel. Hey, Joel. Daddy, my, my tummy hurts. Will you pray for me? Okay, I pray. Oh, that's so much better. Thank you. He goes about <laughs> five minutes later. This might happen this last week. <laughs> five minutes later, comes back. Uh, uh, Daddy, so-and-so did such and such. Joe, Joe, I'm studying right now. So then you, you know, well, If it wasn't my children and I said, I do not wish to be disturbed, I might, I might have a little stronger response. But your own children, you, you, they have a special place in you, with you. But it's not training your children. You know, you can tell when someone really cares about you. And they may... Uh, discipline you, but they actually care. E even a boss may discipline you, may admonish you, and say, you know, literally that kind of means slap you on the face, but nobody should be slapping you in the face. <laughs> you know, it's kind of like the response, what happens in your heart when you're admonished. And uh, when we as fathers admonish, it's actually for their good and for their help, not just so we can you know, have a reaction out of the flesh. You have a reaction out of the flesh. What does the Bible say right there in Ephesians 6, 4? It says, don't provoke your children to wrath, but raise them in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. Well, what does that mean? Well, how does the Lord nurture you and admonish you? Well, that gives us a real quick clue of how we're to nurture and admonish our own children because uh, the Lord has never been harsh with me. 
Now the Lord has been very direct and said, it's going to be this way or no other way. Normally those are like for my good. I mean, it's always for my good, but I mean, normally those are like, it, it, this is going to protect you. This is going to hedge you around. This is going to make it good for you. You, you have to do this. Well, well, that's always out of love from the Lord. Hopefully, as a father, it's also out of love. But uh, he's the perfect father. Uh, we are imperfect fathers. Remember Jesus in um, John chapter 14, he said, um, whatever you ask the father in my name, he will give it to you. Do you remember when we, we titled it the Lord's Prayer? But over in Matthew, he said, uh, when you pray, pray like this. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be your name. But he said, our Father. You notice he didn't say when you pray, say, oh God. He said, pray to the Father. And you see Ephesians chapter 1 prayer, he's praying to the Father. Ephesians chapter 3 prayer, he's praying to the Father. Do you remember when the Jews came and they were really upset at Jesus? Uh, I don't remember the exact reference right now. It might come to me in a second, but um, they're ready to kill him because he called God his Father. And uh, he said, he said uh, are you going to kill me? For, for doing all these things? He said, no, no. They said, no, no, no. We're going to kill you because you said God was your father making yourself equal to God. For this, we want to kill you. There's something about approaching God as a father that actually sets everything else in its proper perspective. That when I come to God, I'm coming actually to my father. And I know that my father loves me, cares for me, has his, the, the best intention and the best goodwill directed towards me in the situation. In fact, I, I encourage husbands and wives when they're having a communication challenges and difficulties with each other, I say, well, just say, Lord, would you please speak to my uh, wife or my husband because I've been trying to do it. And uh, every time I do it, Maybe there's insecurities or maybe there's just, I don't know if you're aware of this. I know you're aware of it. <laughs> you know, like if you get two walkie-talkies and you put them on different channels and you try to talk to each other, that you actually don't hear each other. Now, if you get the channel close enough, you might hear like some crosstalk, but there's a lot of static, you know? And so... The human that is male and the human that is female tend to have a little bit of different uh, communication style, <laughs> giving and receiving. And so th th there's some things, it's funny, I was, I was thinking about this this morning. My wife is from the Midwest and I'm from the Midwest. Well, that gives us a great advantage because in the U.S., the cultures are, are very different. I can imagine, like, international culture must be even that much more different. And... Uh, Marriage is a blessing from the Lord, but boy, if you don't put some effort into it and work into it, it could be a rough road 
to travel on. But if you, if you submit yourself, first of all, to the Lord and let his love dominate you, oh, talk about a gift from God. You, you, your marriage, your relationship, just a blessing. Instead of just one putting a thousand to flight, you got two. You got an agreeer, a built-in agreeer that you are married to. And you're like, if we just agree on this, it will be done. One can put a thousand to flight. Two can put ten thousand to flight. What a tremendous blessing uh, that marriage can be. But boy, if you don't invest into your marriage, boy, I better not go there. Talk about challenges. Somebody said, uh, you know, concerning uh, uh, sex, somebody said that um, before you're married, the devil does everything he can to get you to have sex. And as soon as you're married, he does everything he can to get you not to have sex with your spouse, you know, or future spouse. And sometimes things are like that. Marriage is a, is a great magnifier. And so if, if you got uh, some challenges before you're married, disagreements before you're married, well, if you go ahead and get married, that's just going to be a magnifying glass right on those things. But if you got some uh, great uh, relationship things, uh, maybe you pray together, read the word together, well, that's just going to be magnified after you're married as well. And so sometimes people think, well, I'll get married and it'll fix. No, no, it will magnify. You'll get married, it'll magnify. So, if you want to get married, you got to find someone, number one, in the Lord. If you're born again, you cannot marry someone that's not born again. So you have no business dating someone that's not born again. Because, you know, it, you know, how can two walk together? You're supposed to walk, you're getting married because you believe you're supposed to walk together. So you cannot walk together if one person is born again and the other person is not born again. But then number two, that person needs to put God first and love the Lord and have a growing relationship with him. I don't care if you were just born again. I don't care where you're at in your walk with the Lord as long as it's growing and you love him. In other words, when the rubber meets the road, you're going to submit to what God has said. Because you're not perfect, and I'm not perfect, and we should all be growing in our relationship with the Lord. And, and I might mess up right now because I'm like, you know, like Paul, kicking against the pricks. I'm going to have my way. I'm going to do my thing. But once I calm down, settle down, like you shouldn't, you know, you, you should get to the point where you can overcome all of that, like right away. It's just a thought, and you're kind of like, no, I put that under. But, but what I'm saying is, that when, the, when all the dust settles, you might have said the wrong thing, confessed the wrong thing, but you're like, oh, that was wrong of me, Lord. Yeah, I know what you want me to do, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do that. I'm going to walk that way. And then you go back to your husband or wife and say, I apologize, I was wrong. Actually, what you said, the Lord was already dealing with me about it, and I was really upset that you're the one that came and told me. <laughs> or something like that. So, so, and this is before you're married, you're getting this worked out. 
you find out like this person, they are submitted to God. They love the Lord. And I see they have a growing relationship because there's all different levels of spiritual maturity. And, and I can't predict where somebody's going to be if the Lord doesn't tell you, you actually don't know. But I can tell you this, if they love the Lord and they're growing in their relationship with him, that's a pretty good person to be involved with. There's lots of other things you can look at, like what does their mama look like? What does their daddy look like? How much money do they have? All this, but a lot of that can be a curse if they're not submitted to the Lord. It's very, very important. Very important. And so as fathers... We need to instruct our children about marriage. We need to instruct our children about every aspect of life. But when you come to God the Father, I see in the Word so much that we turn our hearts when we come to, to seek the Lord and to talk with Him. We don't, we're not, He is the God of God and the King of Kings. But just like with my children, I may be um, the president of a company. I may be the, the manager at a certain place. Uh, whatever my vocation is, wherever I'm at. You know, Joel calls me uh, Pastor Daddy sometimes. <laughs> I'm like, just call me Daddy. But he loves it because he like. But when I go home, I'm their pastor, but I'm still their daddy. So he is the king of kings. He is the Lord of lords. But when we come to him, we're supposed to come to him as our daddy God, our father God, knowing that even though he has all power, all authority, the angels in heaven surrounding the throne are continually saying, holy, 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 holy. And some of those angels, they have eyes all around their head. And, you know, God is awesome. But he doesn't want us to approach him like someone that's unapproachable. God is meek. That means power under control. He wants us to come to him like the God who is that powerful, all powerful, that perfect, perfection emanates from him. All present. He wants us to come to him as children. And when you become part of the family of God, you enter a family, and God becomes your father. And Jesus said, if an earthly father knows how to do good things for his children, how much more will our heavenly father do good things for them that ask him? The reason we don't have is because we don't ask or we ask with the wrong motives. So, we should just ask our Father. So that when I pray, and I see Paul's example, 
which is a, a prayer given or prayers given by the Holy Spirit to the Apostle Paul, not just for the church at Ephesus, but for the whole church, that we can pray these prayers that are given by the Spirit and anointed by the Spirit. And he says, you know, Carpenter says in, in chapter three, uh, this chapter three prayer, um, when I think of my own father or the thousands of homes happy homes, he said, where I've been present, and I multiplied a thousand. No! Ten thousand times, and think, this just must be a sliver of what fatherhood actually means in heaven. And I lift my voice and I say, oh, father! The father of the family. So when you approach the Lord in prayer, don't just approach God, approach your father. I'm not afraid when I go to the Lord in prayer. Actually, I'm excited. It's like I, I, I'm going and I'm hanging out with my daddy. And, uh, you know, he's going to teach me some stuff. He's going to, if I'll listen to him, much just like my, my own children. Hey, daddy, can I go do such such? Well, yeah, but I want to talk to you first. Well, what do they want to do? They don't really want to hear me talk a lot of the times because they're so excited about going to do this little thing and play this little thing. And so I'll say, okay, I'm going to tell you yes, but if you don't sit here and listen to me, I'm telling you no. Because I want you to be safe doing this. So then, so I'm not only going to love them and say, okay, yeah, you can go do that, but I'm going to give them some specific instruction for their own good, their own safety, because my kids like to do dangerous stuff sometimes, you know, <laughs> like all kids, I guess. And so when I come to my heavenly father, he's not there to just be like, I know what you did. I've been waiting for you to come to me so I could correct you. No, in fact, if you do that to your earthly children, you're going to what did that say? Provoke your children to wrath, I think in the King James is how it says. So you're not always like trying to pounce on them. You know, your children actually want to do the right thing. They just act like you sometimes. Did you get that? Did you get that? The most annoying part of your children is when they act like you. When you, what, me? No, like your uncontrolled flesh, your unsubmitted part, like the second when you didn't submit that day or that month or whatever, you know. But your children, the, the word works. One of the most um, shocking parts of parenting uh, to me has been, I will sit there and think, why are my children doing this? <laughs> I know I've told them to not do this. You know, or I've instructed, said what the word says concerning this. Say like, honor your father and mother, that it may go well with you, that you live long on the earth. I mean, they have heard that thousands of times. It's like, I want you to have a good life and a long life. But you know what I've found? If I just take the time and give them the word and you know, I may give them the reference, but normally I'm just going to say, you know, here's what the Bible says, and we believe that. That I don't know if I've done that um, 
yeah, I have done it, and they haven't responded. Most of the time they respond. Uh, but, you know, when they're kind of like, like, uh, go stand in the corner, you know, I'm standing up on the outside, but I'm sitting down on the inside. So I, I tell them, you know, I'm more really concerned about your attitude than I am the actual action that you did. So once I get them to kind of like let go of that, well, then I, if, I don't think I've given them the word where they haven't actually responded like that. And me, a, bu- a, bu- a, bu- a, bu- a believer for like, how, how old am I? 46, a believer for like 42 years. Sometimes I'm still amazed, wow, the word works. Because I'll kind of be like, now, Lord, why are my children doing that? And then he'll kind of like, did you train them in the word? Did you remind them what that says? He's like, do you know how old they are? (laughs) Nine years old. Oh, nine years old. You mean they're not fully mature at nine years old? I'm 46 and I'm still growing up. So we want to train our children in the nurture of the Lord. How would the Lord nurture you to do the right thing? How would the Lord train you to do the right thing? Well, he's going to be full of patience, full of mercy, full of great confident expectation like, I know you can do it, Sandy. I know you can do it. I'm just waiting for you to do it. Well, we just see that and mirror that. As fathers, as mothers, we have the very best example. And when you don't know how to do it, just pray to your father and say, Father, how do I be a good father? And he'll show you exactly how to do it. God is a good God. When you approach him in prayer, approach your father. If I go ask the boss for something, I'm like, Lord, I, I ask for favor with this man or this woman in the name of Jesus. <laughs> Give me the right words to speak. Give this person understanding of my words so I'm able to express my heart so that they can comprehend what I'm saying. But you know, when I go to my Heavenly Father, I'm not asking, actually praying before I go to Him to say, give me favor with yourself. He has already favored me because He's my Father. So if my boss happened to be my dad, you know, if I'm trying to do something that I know the CEO doesn't want to happen and he happens to be my father, then I might say, Lord, give me favor with Dad. (laughs) You know, because... I want us to take the company this direction. He doesn't want to, he don't want to go that direction. He wants to go a different direction. But I'm still coming to my dad. And when I come to my dad, there, there, there's a whole thing of fear that if it's your father, earthly father is a godly father that shouldn't even be there. So when I come to my heavenly father, I just come and I, you know, I, I let it all out. I'm like, Lord. I love you. 
you know I'm struggling with this. He knows exactly what you're dealing with, yet he asks us to pray. He said, ask me. You know, the Lord knows everything you're going through, yet he asks us to pray. Jesus said, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he'll give it to you. So if you need something, ask your Father, who happens to be the God of all power, all resource, all provision, all deliverance, all knowledge, all wisdom, and he will give it to you. And he'll guide you and direct you every step of the path. Uh, you know, the pathway that, that you're on. God is a good God. Stand with me if you would. Maybe you're listening this morning and you don't know God as a father. Well, if you're not born again, if you're not a part of the family of God, God is not your father. But he wants to be your father. He loves you. And he has a plan for your life that is a good plan. So much greater than what you could produce on your own. It is a plan to bring you life. To give you hope, to give you a future. God has a purpose for every person on the face of this earth. And that purpose is awesome. And that's the only place that you'll ever be fully fulfilled is right in the middle of his will. There is a heaven and there is a hell. God's plan for every human being is heaven. He ordained ahead of time that every human being would be destined for heaven. But because he loves us, he gave us freedom of choice, and Adam and Eve made a bad choice. When they made a bad choice, sin entered the world and separated mankind from God. God was not surprised. He knew ahead of time that was going to happen. And so he sent Jesus to bring us back into God's family, into his own family, so that we could be his sons and his daughters that we could live with him and live for him. The only way you get back into the family of God where God's heart intended for you to be is to bring yourself to him and offer everything you are. You receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and as your Savior. That's an act of the heart. It's a decision of the heart. Romans says, you believe with your heart and you express that belief through your mouth and you say, Jesus is Lord. You can have all kind of thoughts in your head, reasonings in your head. How does that make sense? How can I understand that? Being born again is a spiritual experience and can be only understood spiritually. You just respond from your heart. The Lord's moving on your heart. You respond to him. You just take that little step towards him and he will come and he will embrace you. He will pick you up. He'll be, he, he specializes 
in impossible things. He'll take you out of a pit. He'll take you out of darkness. And he'll put you into light. Where everything seems dark, every direction seems horrible, where the way seems so difficult, he'll take you, he'll set you on a path of life that leads to life, that is life. He will change you. He'll make you new. I'm gonna pray a prayer in just a second, and when I do, I want you to pray this prayer with me if you're a believer, and if you'd like to become a believer, all you have to do is just believe in your heart and say with your mouth, repeat after me what I'm gonna say and agree in your heart, and God will hear your prayer, and he'll answer your prayer, and you will be changed. In that instant, you will be changed. And you'll be taken out of the kingdom of darkness and put into the kingdom of light. Let's praise. Father God, I come to you in the name of Jesus Christ. I thank you that you are a good God. I believe that Jesus died on the cross to take away my sins and to make me right with you. Jesus, I receive you as my Lord, as my Savior. I'm not going to live for myself anymore. I give you my whole life. Father God, thank you that you are my Father, that you care for me, that you brought me to this point in my life. Thank you for the plans you have. Reveal those plans to me. Help me as I walk out my life to follow you, to serve you, and to live for you. Thank you for this new life. In Jesus' name, amen.